Welcome to the Wow Community Jokes. So how often do you say, if only, if only I had have stuck with piano lessons, or if only I had pursued a different career, if only I had married someone different, or if only the, I had the chance to tell that person I love them before they passed, or if only the past had been a little different. If onlys can be a powerful stronghold. And that's why movies such as Back to the Future are so fantastic because they tap into that desire. They, they let us imagine and play with that desire and what it would be like to go back in time and just alter a few things. But the point isn't simply about going back into history. The point is to go back and change history in order to alter the present, to affect what could have been to affect where we are right now. And tonight, I want us to see how Jesus is about to change everything. So I'm excited to be celebrating Easter in person, online. I'm excited to be wrapping up our series of I Am and discover who Jesus is in his own words. So today we're going to be uh, going in our Bibles to John chapter 11. So if you have your Bibles or your phones with your Bible app, feel free to bring them out. Um, we're going to be looking at the statement that Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. So I'll give you just a second to turn to John chapter 11, 17 to 27. The text will be behind me on the screen since we're using that again right now. It's, it's kind of a nice change from the circle church we've done the last couple of months to come back to this setup, and even to be standing again. Uh, I got so used to sitting and preaching. But here's what John chapter 11 says, starting with verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles or three kilometers from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So pay attention to this if only she's starting to think through. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who was to come into the world. If only you had been there. My brother would not have died. This is Martha's if only, and it's a big one. Lord, if, if only. You see, Martha and Mary had sent word to Jesus that their brother was sick days before he died. Yet when Jesus heard the news, he stayed where he was for two more days. And it seems like this odd response, why wouldn't Jesus get up and go Especially the text says earlier on that Lazarus was a man whom he loved. Well, Jesus says in verse four, this sickness 
will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus understood what was happening. He knew the situation, but clearly Martha did not. She was not impressed with Jesus' slow response. And as Jesus arrives in Bethany, we even see that Martha, it says she went out to meet him. I'm picturing more of a, she marched right out to meet him, to let him know some of her thoughts, to confront him directly. And man, how many of us can relate to that? Jesus, what are you thinking? Like, why aren't you answering my prayers? Why, why aren't you showing up the way I want you to? Why would you allow that to happen to me? So I love Jesus' response when he just simply says, your brother will rise again. He's not upset. He's not taken aback. He, he's not defending himself. Instead, he exerts understanding and compassion and, and hope. You see, Jesus points Martha to the future. Instead of looking to the past and what might have been or what could have been but now can't be, he invites her to look ahead, to look forward. And of course, she already knows this because it's standard Jewish teaching. It's following key Old Testament passages that they shared a vision of new heavens and a new earth, a whole new world with its beauty and power enhanced and its pain, ugliness, and grief abolished. They believe that all God's people from ancient time right up into the present would be given new bodies and, share, and be able to share and enjoy the life of the new creation. So Martha understands. She even believes it theoretically, but she isn't comforted by it. And again, this text is just so relatable because don't you hate it when you're going through loss, pain, sorrow, and someone comes along and just says, keep your chin up. Look on the, the bright side. You're like, no, that doesn't help me right now. But you see, Martha's not ready for what's about to happen next. She isn't prepared for Jesus' response. She thinks he's talking about mere beliefs. Yeah, sure, I'll see him again one day. But Jesus reveals that the future has burst into the present. The new creation, the resurrection that Martha correctly understood was to come, has come forward from the end of time into the middle of time, right here and right now. Jesus hasn't just come from heaven to earth. He's come from God's future into the present and into the mess and muddle of the world we know. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and life. In other words, resurrection isn't just a doctrine to believe. It isn't just a future fact. Resurrection is a person and he is here standing in front of Martha, inviting her to move from mere belief about the future to a, to a life of trust and hope in the person of Jesus right here, right now. And I love how the message translation puts it. it says, I am right now resurrection and life. Jesus doesn't merely say that he will bring about the resurrection or that he'll be the cause of the resurrection, both which are true, but he says something much bigger and hopeful. He says, I am resurrection and life. Jesus is challenging Martha to exchange her if only 
for if Jesus, if Jesus is who she is coming to believe he is, if Jesus is the Messiah, the one who is promised by the prophets, the one who is to come into the world, if Jesus is God's own son, the one in whom the living God is strangely and newly present, if Jesus is resurrection in person, life come to life, then how does Jesus change your present reality? Where have you wished if only this was different? And where is Jesus inviting you to simply trust him? Because Jesus then asks Martha a question. He says, do you believe this? And this question is for all of us. Do you believe this? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you trust him? Do you really believe it? Because here's where it gets interesting yet again. Martha replies, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God who is to come into the world. But then, and there's always a but, isn't there? In verse 39, Jesus comes to the tomb of Lazarus and says, take away the stone. And Martha interjects, but Lord, by this time, there's a bad odor. He's been in there for four days. Or I like how the King James puts it. He stinketh. <laughs> but Lord, how often do we say, yeah, I believe. And then we turn right around and we say, oh, but Lord, come on. We often wrestle with a stone that's in our way too. Oftentimes, there's a stone somewhere between our head knowledge, what we believe, and our heart knowledge, or what we say we believe and what we actually believe. For Martha, she said she believed that Jesus was the Son of God. She knew that she'd see her brother again. She had the head knowledge. Yet when Jesus said, take away the stone, she responded, but Lord, that stone was in the way. It was keeping her head and her heart disconnected. And for her, it was a literal stone that was in the way, but what might it be for you? The first time I ever realized this analogy of, of the stone kind of getting in the way between our head and heart knowledge was I was preparing this message on this text for another church years ago, and I'm sharing this story because my father-in-law is sitting here. He had, he had lent me his lawnmower and I couldn't figure out how to bring the message home. And just, it wasn't connecting until I was using his lawnmower and I just smoked a huge stone, bam! Then I'm like, oh, that's it, there's a stone in the way. <laughs> he ended up giving me the lawnmower later, so I don't feel that bad now. <laughs> but I just, I love that imagery of like, what gets in the way between us and Jesus? What, what prevents us from having that connection sometimes? Jesus is telling us, I'm here for you, I love you. But then there's times where we're doubting it. And we're like, are you here? Do you love me? Or do you even hear me when I pray? But friends, Jesus invites us to a place to, to place our trust in him and to believe in him. And when we do, we too need to be prepared to be surprised. And I can't tell you exactly how God will show up in your life. It will be different for each and every one of us. But I can tell you that Jesus will meet your problem with some part of God's future 
that can and will burst into your present time, into the mess and grief with good news and with hope and with new possibility. Do you believe this? Jesus is saying, take away the stone. And the key to doing so, both then and now, is faith. Jesus is bringing God's new world to birth, but it doesn't happen automatically. The key to living in this new world is faith, believing in Jesus, trusting that he's God's Messiah, the one coming into the world, into our world, into our pain and sorrow and death. And he's redeeming it and reconciling it, renewing it and restoring it. Jesus is recreating our world right here and right now. And this is why, as we made the phrase for the Easter scavenger hunt, the greatest gift of Easter is hope. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he was signaling to Martha, hope has come. Hope is here. Hope is standing right in front of you. Hope has a name, Jesus. So then Jesus says, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to the others, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. What a powerful sign. And did you know that the resurrection of Lazarus was actually the seventh sign in John's gospel that revealed Jesus' power and affirmed his identity as the Son of God? And man, was it a sign if there ever was one. So the, the signs that Jesus performs in John's gospel is that he changed water into wine. He healed the royal official's son. He healed the paralytic at the pool. He fed over 5,000 with fish and loaves. He walked on the water. He healed a man born blind. And seventh, he raised Lazarus from the dead. Seven signs. And of course, the number seven is significant in the Bible, as it was symbolic of fullness, of completeness. In fact, the, the Bible begins with a poem that speaks of the seven days of creation in the Garden of Eden. But here's where it gets interesting, is there's actually one more sign in John's gospel. In John chapter 20, and what we're celebrating today, Jesus rises from the dead in a garden which of course takes us back to that Genesis narrative, to the first creation in a garden. So what is it that John's trying to tell us? Well, I believe he's driving home the point that we are living in a new creation. You see, the eighth sign is the first sign of the new creation. If seven is complete and whole and full, well, then the old life is complete. It's wrapped up, and Jesus is proving his divinity. But then the eighth sign, Jesus' own resurrection, coming back to life, is the first sign of a new creation. The resurrection of Jesus inaugurates a new creation, one free from death, and is bursting forth in Jesus himself right here in the midst of the first creation. 
When Jesus died on the cross, so did your sin. And when he rose from the dead, so did your hope. Death was proof that Jesus was human, and resurrection is proof that he is God. The tomb is empty, a new day is here, a new creation is here. Everything has changed. Death has been conquered. The old is gone, the new has come. God is rescuing, redeeming, and restoring all of creation. And what he wants most of all is a relationship with you, with us, with his children. So who is Jesus? Jesus tells us himself that he is the only one who has conquered sin and death and can give us eternal life. Our response is to believe in him, to trust him. Jesus makes the outrageous claim that only he is the direction in the life that everyone wants. Only in Jesus is there a solution for the problem of sin and death. Jesus is saying, only I can give you life to the full right here and now in the, the assurance of life beyond the grave. Because eternal life is not just about the future after you die. You can have access to this life now. Eternal life was a phrase people used to describe a particular divine quality of life that comes from living in peace and harmony and connection with God. And we can experience that today. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, you can experience the new life now. And this is why Easter is worth celebrating, because Jesus is alive. So my prayer is that wherever you're coming from, you will find hope in the healing, saving, redeeming person of Jesus. Follow the example of Martha. Run out and meet him. Tell him your problems. Ask why he didn't come sooner or why he allowed certain things to happen. But then exchange your if-onlys for if-Jesus. If Jesus truly is who he says he is, then how is he wanting to respond and perhaps surprise you in new ways? And take away the stone. Place your faith in Jesus. He is the resurrection and the life. So I want to just take a moment now of silence to reflect and just listen to what Jesus wants to say to us tonight. Have you placed your faith in Christ? Are you living and walking closely with him? Is there the rock getting in the way of what you want to believe and what you actually believe? Jesus is the only one that gives us hope, life, and eternal life. Do you believe this? And perhaps if you're struggling or you just have a lot of questions and doubts, then simply pray, Holy Spirit, help me believe. So let's take a moment now, and then I'll transition us into communion. Holy Spirit, I pray that you continue to speak to us. Reveal to us any places in our hearts or minds where we have a rock in the way that's keeping us disconnected from you. God, I pray that tonight as we celebrate Easter, as we're reminded of your sacrifice, of your love for us, 
I pray that we continue to place our faith and our trust in you. Thank you for hope. Thank you for new life that we can experience today and forevermore as we walk with you. In your name we pray. Amen.